Well, tonight, uh, the reading and preaching of God's Word comes to us from uh, the first half, roughly, of Psalm 37. If you turn there uh, in your pew Bible, Psalm 37, it's a psalm of David, and David is, is noting something about uh, our lives, uh, this side of heaven, and that is that sometimes it seems uh, that the, the wicked flourish uh, and, and the righteous seem to flounder. That doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. Uh, but he calls us to, to meekly uh, put our trust in the Lord and, and wait upon Him, commit our ways to Him, and, and trust that he will, he will meet our needs. He will come to our aid as our defender. Uh, and so we're going to be uh, focusing here on uh, the topic of meekness this evening as we find it here in Psalm 37. And then we remember, of course, that, that our Lord Jesus in His Sermon on the Mount uh, reflected on verse 11 of Psalm 37 declaring that, uh, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Beginning here at verse 1, Psalm 37, simply reading through verse 11. David writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices." Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. And then as I said, our Lord Jesus and Matthew 5, verse 5, declares, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, I, I imagine many of you have heard the following phrases before. Might makes right. Survival of the fittest. If you can't keep up, then get out of the way. Well, these are the mantras, these are the, uh, the slogans, the basic belief system of the culture in which we live, a culture that's so convinced that power, influence always wins out, and meekness and, and humility are, are nothing but weakness, not to be desired uh, at all. True happiness our world tells us, is attained through, through self-assertion, self-promotion, hard work, the accumulation of wealth and influence, climbing your way up the corporate ladder. That's happiness, according to uh, the world in which we live. But as children of God, we walk to the beat of a different drum, don't we? Uh, as believers, we understand that, that we are new creatures in Jesus Christ. We've cast off the ways of the world. We have put on Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit lives within our hearts and rules our lives so that we live by the Spirit of God and we do not follow the Spirit of this age. That's what characterizes us. 
As believers, we're marked by a very different set of attitudes and and desires than the world around us. And so for us, it is meekness, not power, not prestige, not self-assertion, but meekness that is the mark of the blessed man and the blessed woman. And it's that attribute of the Christian life that we're going to look at tonight, meekness. Maybe that's a word that's not really a part of your vocabulary, not a word you use very often. And maybe we don't have a very clear sense of what that means and what its significance is for us. And so tonight we're going to, to look at this declaration, this promise of God that the meek shall inherit the land, shall inherit the earth. And we're going to explore, first of all, the definition of meek. We're going to identify who the meek are and how we are to be the meek, secondly. How can we as God's people grow in becoming meek according to the will, according to the purpose and the pattern of God and His Word? So first, identifying the meek. Who are the meek according to God's Word? As I was preparing this sermon, I came across uh, an old British television show, a comedy. And the main character of this, this comedy is, a, is a, a very wealthy widow who's very used to getting her own way, throwing her power and influence around. And, and in this one particular episode, her, her pastor, who's desperately trying to instill some humility in her, uh, says to her, remember, dear woman, uh, blessed are the meek, Jesus said, for they shall inherit the earth. And the widow quickly responded and said, and as I never cease to remind you, pastor, the meek don't even want it. You see, there's an old joke that says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, if that's okay with the rest of you. Right. You see, we find that funny uh, deep down because all of us suspect that meekness is really synonymous with weakness. When we boil it down, many of us think that the meek are those people who have no backbone, They have no ambition in life, no goals, no purpose. The the meek are the doormats for those who have ambition, for those who are powerful and influential, and they're just the the meek are the doormats for them to wipe their feet upon as they climb the the social and, and corporate and political ladder to the top. And so maybe we need to look at meekness with a new set of eyes tonight. What exactly is that? Why does David in this psalm and Jesus in his Beatitudes identify meekness as one of the defining characteristics of those who are the people of God? What is this attribute of meekness? Well, in fact, Jesus in quoting Psalm 37 when he uh, speaks to the crowd in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 gives us a sense of what meekness is. And it's helpful to look at the context of that particular beatitude, blessed are the meek, in light of the first two that come before it. Uh, Really, the, the beatitude of meekness follows logically from the first two. And of course, you may remember this, I, I taught on this some, uh, some years ago, the beatitudes as a whole call us to see ourselves as we really are. Uh, to see God as He really is, and then to live in light of that. And In other words, if we understand that we are the poor in spirit, that's the first beatitude, 
If we're aware of our lack of internal resources, if we're aware of our utter need for the salvation and strength of God, then we're also going to be those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, the second beatitude. We're going to be those who mourn over the sin and the brokenness of our lives. We're going to be those who seek God's forgiveness. And now that third beatitude, blessed are the meek, follows upon those first two. If we are the poor in spirit, if we are those who mourn, then we are also going to be those who have a right estimate of ourselves before the face of God. We will be those who, as Paul says in Romans 12, don't think too highly of ourselves, but regard ourselves with sober judgment before God. And that, in a nutshell, is what it means to be meek. Having a proper estimate of ourselves before a holy God. But there's another side to that coin of meekness. We're to have a proper estimate of ourselves before God, but the meek also have a proper estimate of themselves before others. If we see ourselves with a proper humility in light of our sin, in light of the holiness of God, well, that's going to directly affect the way we treat others around us, including our neighbors and our friends and our family members, even our enemies. And so, you, if you want to know how to define meekness in light of the first two Beatitudes, it's this, and this definition comes from Martin Lloyd-Jones, meekness is a humble and a gentle attitude towards others based on a right estimate of ourselves. It's a humble and gentle attitude towards others based on a right estimate of ourselves. And practically speaking, having a a right estimate of ourselves before God and others is going to cause us to care much less about our own reputation and far more for the honor of God's name and the good of our neighbors. Well, already, just as we're starting to see something of what meekness is, just as we're starting to identify it, we're, we're, we're seeing how difficult it is. Uh, to show this attribute in our lives. Meekness doesn't come naturally to us, does it? We tend to be very quick to, to promote our own name and promote our own honor and reputation, far more than we are quick to promote the dignity of God and the dignity of others. We love to get defensive when someone points out our failures and our sins, even if we know they have a valid point. We might say, oh, I I acknowledge and confess my sin to God, thank you very much, but I don't need you pointing it out to me too. And that's not the meekness that God desires of us because the meek person handles criticism from others with a gracious and a humble attitude. A meek Christian appreciates the guidance of others who might be willing to correct them. They respond positively to the help of others with a humility that comes from having a right understanding, an honest estimate of themselves before the holiness and the perfection of God. Well, Jesus in Matthew 5 and David in Psalm 37 Uh, These are not the only places that speak about meekness in the Bible. In fact, the the definition of meekness takes further shape as we look at what the rest of the Bible says about this wonderful attribute. In James chapter 1, 21, 
Uh, James says that meekness is the characteristic that should define us when we come up against the Word of God. When God's Word is preached to us, we should respond to it with meekness, especially when it points out our sin and our need for Christ. James there in chapter 1, verse 21 says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Put away your sin and receive with meekness the implanted Word of God, which is able to save your souls. Meekness willingly and humbly accepts what God's Word says about us, even when it exposes our sin, even when it shows us a right and honest, uh, untouched-up picture of ourselves compared to the holiness of God. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, also talks about meekness and says that that meekness should clothe our relationship with others in the church. He says here, uh, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. If we have a right estimate of ourselves before the holiness of God, then we're going to demonstrate that, that humility in meekness as we interact with one another in the church, even as we accept the correction and the discipline of our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that being said, we mustn't accept the world's view, the world's lie that meekness is weakness. That's how our world thinks, that meekness is weakness. But that is not the biblical understanding of meekness. True meekness combines a godly humility with a great boldness to stand for God's truth in the face of opposition. And it's the kind of attitude that we're called to have as we go out into the world to declare the glory of God and to share His His Word with the lost. That's what Peter says in his epistle, in his first epistle, in 1 Peter 3.15. He urges Christians to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that they have in Jesus Christ. He says you must must grow up in your ability, you must become skilled to, to give a good answer to give a good confession of faith before a watching and a wicked world. And yet Peter says that bold confession, that courageous declaration of your faith should be given with meekness and humility and respect. So you see that on one hand, the the meek are tender. They're kind. The meek are conscious of their own sin and and their shortcomings. They don't boast in themselves, but the meek are also bold. They're eager to, to take up the banner of God, to take up His cause and His Word and to defend it with their very lives. The meek boast, not in themselves. They make their boast in Jesus Christ and all that He has done. The meek come to the aid of the oppressed. They they seek justice and promote the honor and reputation of others because they value God's Word and they value the dignity of human life. They value the needs of others before their very own. 
And so, boys and girls who are here tonight, when you go back to school tomorrow, how might meekness look on the playground? Let's say a classmate drops his lunch during the noon hour and it scatters all over the playground. How will you respond as your friends gather around to laugh and point? Will you come to that friend's help and help him put his lunch back together? Adults, when your co-worker scoffs at your Christian witness at work, are you, are you willing to accept their ridicule? Are you ready to have your good reputation tarnished for the sake of Christ, for the sake of, of defending His Word and His name? The meek do not assert themselves and their rights above all, but they humbly, they quietly go about their business to do the work of God and serve their neighbors. One last thing we need to notice as we identify the meek. As I noted, uh, Jesus here is, is borrowing words from Psalm 37, which, which I read earlier, which we're going to look at in more detail very soon. And Jesus specifically is quoting verse 11 there, Psalm 37, that, that the meek will inherit the earth, that they will enjoy great peace. And we're going to look at that very soon, as I said. But, but it's important to notice uh, that before David the psalmist sets out this beautiful promise for the meek that they will inherit the world, he also sets forth a set of commands. In the first several verses here, verses 3 through 7, he calls God's people to trust God with their whole hearts, even when the wicked seem to flourish even when the, the unrighteous seem to have everything go well for them. And the psalmist says, in the midst of that, we should continue to trust the Lord and continue to do good. He says in verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your hearts. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him that He will act. Verse 7, be still. Quiet yourself before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Don't fret yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil desires. And it's in that context then that He says, you shall inherit the land. You shall inherit it. Delight yourself in the Lord. Wait upon Him. Commit yourself to Him, and He will act. Who are the meek then, according to this psalm? They are those who trust the Lord. They are those who delight themselves in Him. They commit their way and their decisions to Him, and then they rest and they wait upon the Lord for the Lord to come to their aid, knowing that He will act on their behalf. These, the Bible says, are the meek. These are the truly blessed servants of God. These are those to whom the whole earth belongs. Well, we've spent some time looking at how the Bible identifies the meek, defines what it means to be meek, and, and, and God tells us that we are the meek. That's who we are. That's our new identity by faith in Jesus Christ. But God is also calling us to be meek. He's calling us to grow up in this attribute of a believer. And so, how do we make strides in that? How do we grow in becoming Meek, and I want to identify finally three ways in which we as God's people become 
the meek. And first and most importantly, we become meek as we rely in faith upon our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the perfect model of meekness. We rely in faith upon Jesus, who is the perfect model of meekness. We could flip through the Bible, and we could come across many individuals who are examples of faith to us, and even models of meekness. We could think of godly servants like Abraham and David and Jeremiah, individuals who left their home and their possessions with little care for their honor or reputation to follow the command and the Word of God. Moses was called the meekest man of the entire earth. And yet each and every one of these individuals, though heroes of the faith, were imperfect in displaying meekness. Their purpose was was not to point us to themselves or to glorify uh, these human beings. Their their, Their purpose was to point us forward to the greatest example of meekness, the greatest example of humility joined with boldness that has ever lived, that history has ever seen. All of these individuals, Abraham, David, Jeremiah, Moses, and many others, they pointed us forward as forerunners of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the picture-perfect example of meekness. And it's not hard to see how our Lord Jesus models for us perfectly this kingdom attribute of meekness. Our Lord Jesus, throughout His entire ministry and life, faced the hatred of mankind. He suffered willingly under the yoke of sin. He suffered in utter silence. We read in Isaiah 53, verse 7, that He suffered like a silent lamb before the slaughter. That's a tremendous reality to think about. Here He is, the glorious King of heaven and earth. He's the ruler of all things, and yet He rode into Jerusalem clothed in humility and meekness. He had all power in heaven and on earth to destroy his puny enemies. Within a second, he had all the glory and every right to claim it. And yet he remained silent in obedience to God, his Father, so that he could earn our salvation there through his humility on the cross. He went willingly there to the cross like a a lamb silent before the slaughter. And there he he opened his mouth not to, dis- not to defend his honor or reputation, not to, to speak curses upon his enemies. He opened his mouth to pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Our Lord Jesus, the meekest of all, bore the indignity of the whole world in order to bring you and me to God, to make us alive through him. And yet in his ministry, he was also bold in his meekness. Jesus preached boldly about the coming of the kingdom of heaven. He declared to all the world, you must repent and believe in the Son of God to escape the coming wrath. He preached and defended the honor and the holiness of God. He went into the temple and he took a whip of cords and he drove out the money changers out of his father's house when zeal for his father's house consumed him. We read in 1 Peter 2, 21, Christ left an example for us 
in the meekness of His suffering that we might follow in His footsteps. But of course, our Lord Jesus is not just an example, is He? He was meek. He was mild. He he suffered in dignity, not just to set an example for us, but to justify us, to, to, to make us righteous in the sight of God. Jesus, through His meekness, actually paid the penalty for our sins, and He earned a righteousness so that you and I can be called the sons and daughters of God Most High. And the wonderful news is that He continues to intercede for us before our Heavenly Father by His righteousness. He sent His Holy Spirit into our hearts so that He continues to work within us and make us meek to make us like Himself. We are becoming meek Christian men and women as God by His Holy Spirit is conforming us more and more to the image of our meek Savior, our meek brother, Jesus Christ. And so the first way that we become meek is as we rely in faith upon our Lord Jesus, who is the perfect model of meekness and who by His Spirit is making us like Him. Second, we become meek as we entrust ourselves to our faithful Heavenly Father who promises to give us all we need. The wonderful thing about being the meek is that we don't need to defend ourselves in the face of our opponents, because we have the best defenders in all heaven and earth, our heavenly Father and His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why God says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, don't take vengeance, don't take justice into your own hands, leave it to me. Vengeance is mine, God says, I will repay. You don't need to take the sword into your own hand to defend your cause. We can be content in knowing that even though we are great sinners, we are loved by an even greater love that comes from our Heavenly Father. And with that kind of love poured into our hearts by our our gracious God day after day, does it really matter what other people think of us? Does it really matter what other people would do to us? The fierceness of our enemies and the trials of this life, they may rattle us for a time, but they are ultimately of no importance. We are so loved by God. We are so secure in Jesus Christ. We can entrust ourselves to our Heavenly Father. We can endure any trial for the sake of God's glory. And we will, we will grow in meekness as we entrust ourselves to our gracious God, as we commit our cause, as we commit our needs and our rights to our faithful Heavenly Father who knows what we need and is perfectly able to provide our needs. We grow in meekness as we desire the pleasure and acceptance of God more than the acceptance and the praise of men. Finally, Psalm 37 tells us that we grow in meekness as we meditate upon the wonderful promise that God attaches uh, to this call to meekness. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. David writes, the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. That promise is what spurs us on to greater 
obedience, greater meekness. We're motivated to serve God. We're, we're motivated to honor Him with our lives. We're motivated to this meekness that we've been talking about by this beautiful promise that's laid here before us. At first glance, it might seem like an odd promise. The meek are going to get the world. It's usually the power grabbers. It's usually those who aren't meek that want to rule the world, like the old saying goes, the meek don't even want it, right? So what is this promise? What is this land that the meek will inherit, that, that the psalmist rejoices in here? Well, certainly, if you think about what David and the people of Israel and the church are longing for, it's most natural for David to think about the covenant promise of God that he gave to Israel, that God was going to give Israel a land, a promised land. Um, that's what God's people longed for. That was part of uh, the great covenant blessing and promise of God, that, that, that God's people would be planted in a land where they could dwell securely, they could worship God, and this was a land that was beautiful. It was a, a rich and beautiful land flowing with milk and honey, a land of security and fruitfulness and abundance, and it was a land that Israel did enjoy, but only for a short amount of time. And even then, they didn't enjoy the entirety of it. They just began to enjoy part of it. None of the heroes of faith of Israel's history ever enjoyed that land for a long period of time. And so we're told they longed for something better. They longed for something better. The promise that those saints of old received, the promise that they hoped for, was not this earth in its present form. It was not just a plot of land in, in ancient Palestine. It was a heavenly land. That's what they were truly pursuing, those who understood the promise of God, those who had faith to see what God was actually giving to them. What they looked forward to, what they longed for, was something that they would inherit by faith that would never tarnish, would never be lost, something that enemy, enemy invaders could never take from them. We read in Hebrews 11 and 13 that they longed for a better country. It was a heavenly one. It was an enduring city that is still to come. And that's what we long for as well. That's what God has promised to us as the meek. That's the substance of Jesus' promise, an eternal dwelling place in the heavenly courts of God. It's not a powerful position in life. It's not a luxurious piece of real estate in this world. It's something far better. It's something eternal. It's the new heavens and the new earth. That is what we are promised that we will inherit as Christ's meek servants, even though right now we live as nomads, as strangers, travelers on the earth. We're passing through right now. And the world's judgment of us is likely to be negative most of the time. Our experience now is that the wicked seem to do well, the wicked flourish and the righteous flounder. But that is of no account to those who are meek of heart and life. Because to the meek, what truly matters is how God regards us. 
What matters is the inheritance that Christ is keeping safe for us, our heavenly inheritance. And it's a beautiful promise that though our suffering may last for a short time, when Christ returns to this earth, we will share in the riches of the land that He has prepared for us. Scripture tells us that He's the firstborn over all creation. He's the true and rightful heir of God's eternal kingdom. And it's those who belong to Him by faith, we share in that land. We share in that inheritance. We will inherit it in the same way that our brother, Jesus Christ, will inherit it. And we will reign along with Him forever and ever. Those are promises that we can hold on to. Those are the promises for those who bear His name, for those who persevere with meekness and humility until we finally take possession of the inheritance of the entire world. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we have considered Your blessing upon the meek tonight, and we recognize that so often we are not meek We are quick to defend our own honor and reputation, and yet you call us to be humble. You call us to have a right estimate of ourselves before you, Lord, we confess that we are sinners, that before your holiness we have a great need of forgiveness and grace. And we're also to have a right estimate of ourselves before others, that we would humbly accept each other's correction and advice. We're called to be concerned with defending one another's honor and dignity, even before our own reputations. So, Lord, we confess that we are not as meek as we should be, but we know that you are working in us by your Holy Spirit to make us meek. And we thank you for that. We thank you for sanctifying us, for making us holy. We thank you that you are causing us to rely more and more on you as our Heavenly Father with this promise that you will defend us perfectly so that we do not have to defend ourselves. And you place before us this marvelous promise that the inheritance of the whole world awaits us. O Christ, we long for your return. That before that day comes, we ask that you would work in us, that you'd make us to be the meek, that we would be humble yet bold in our confession of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name, our mild Savior, who is coming again, not in any weakness at all, but with power and majesty, with a kingdom that He has secured for all His meek servants. It's in His name that we pray, amen. Our final hymn tonight comes from number 69. B in the uh, Trinity Psalter, 69B. If you turn there with me, thy loving kindness, Lord, is good and free. We ask that in tender mercy, God would turn unto us and hear us in our time of need. 69B, let's sing all four of those stanzas as we stand to sing.
as you go out into the world now to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in meekness and humility, in the boldness of your Christian confession, leave and go forth with this benediction from our God. The grace of Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Amen. Thank you.